adults have certain advantages and disadvantages in learning a foreign language. They have lost that sort of inherent part of the brain mm -hmm. that helps process language input yeah. so efficiently. But on the other hand, we can think abstractly. You know, we can look at structure, you know, talk about cultural context. Mm -hmm. These are things that can really aid an adult yeah. language learner in approaching a difficult language like Chinese. Yeah. You're listening to Speaking of Language, a podcast recorded at the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. I'm Dan Gable, Technology Manager for the LRC. Each week, we explore a topic related to language pedagogy and second language acquisition. This week on Speaking of Language, we are joined by Stephanie Devo, Senior Lecturer in Asian Studies and Language Program Director of Mandarin Chinese. Stephanie talks about her program's two-pronged approach to teaching beginning Chinese, fact and act. Welcome to a new episode of Speaking of Language. I'm Angelica Kramer, the director of the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. Today, I am joined by my colleague, Stephanie Devo. Welcome, Stephanie. Thank you very much, Angelica, for having me. Absolutely. This is wonderful. So today we want to talk about the Chinese program's approach to language teaching. But before we get started, can you share with us a little bit about your journey with language learning and how did you end up with Chinese? Okay, uh, sure. My mother was a French teacher, uh -huh. so uh, I early on developed an interest in language okay. learning and it was very valued in my household growing mm -hmm. up. I uh, started with French in uh, junior high school and uh, added German to that in mm -hmm. high school, uh, as well as a little bit of Latin. Wow. Uh, in high school, I also became interested in uh, Eastern philosophy, hmm. uh, particularly Taoism and Buddhism. Mm -hmm. And when I was deciding where to go to college, I uh, decided that I wanted to learn an Asian language mm -hmm. in order to get more insight into yeah. the ways of thought. Uh, Chinese particularly was a little bit of a fortuitous uh, situation because I, uh, my first year of college, the institution that I went to only offered Japanese every other year, and mm. I came in on the off year. Yeah. So my only choice was Chinese. Okay. Uh, later on, I, I did, having taken both languages uh -huh. in the long run, I, I knew that Chinese was the choice for me, mm -hmm. although mm -hmm. both languages are wonderful yeah. to learn. Yeah. Wow, that's, that's great. Um, so you mentioned um, in some earlier conversations uh, with me that the Chinese program's approach to teaching language, especially at the lower levels, is a little bit different from how many other languages here at Cornell run. Can you tell us more about the Chinese program, about um, how the language is taught? Um, if you can also share with us how many students are in the program. So all the things about uh, Chinese here. <laughs> sure. I believe this semester we have around 250 students wow. in all of our courses. Yeah, that's great. And uh, we have a we offer a variety of courses for students. Uh, with a variety of needs. Mm -hmm. um, yes, our, our approach is a bit different from uh, the approach used in other languages at Cornell, although it has a lot in common with some of the other Asian language programs at mm -hmm. Cornell, particularly Japanese. Okay. 
In fact, uh, one of the originators of our teaching approach was Eleanor Jordan, who was a Mm. professor of linguistics here at Cornell Mm -hmm. and uh, focused on Japanese and Japanese language pedagogy. Mm -hmm. And uh, our approach is sort of evolved out of uh, her uh, original idea of uh, how uh, Asian languages particularly should be taught. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the the basis has sort of two two parts to it. One is that Chinese is what Jordan referred to as a truly foreign language <laughs> uh, vis-a-vis English-speaking uh-huh. yeah. learners yeah. because it, it has no common roots. Mm, yeah. And it has a lot of... Uh, the, the Asian languages, Chinese in particular, has uh, a lot of uh, characteristics that simply don't exist mm-hmm. sure. in European languages. Yep. So there are no familiar road signs along the way when mm-hmm. a, a, a learner is uh, dealing with Chinese, yeah. as there are, you know, say if they're uh, an English language learner is learning Spanish sure. or even German. Yeah. So uh, that requires us to approach things in a certain way. Uh, we also are uh, looking at uh, teaching adult learners mm-hmm. language mm-hmm. as opposed mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. uh children sure uh learning you know either their first or their second yeah. language and adults have certain advantages mm-hmm. and disadvantages in learning yep. uh, a foreign language they have lost that sort of inherent uh part of the brain mm-hmm. that helps them uh process language input yeah. you know, so efficiently that you know kids can really develop sure excellent accents just soaking it all up yes and uh but on the other hand we can think abstractly Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. we can look at you know we can look at structure and you know talk about cultural context Mm -hmm. and these are things that you know can really aid an adult language learner in approaching a difficult language like chinese yeah so uh at the I'll, i'll start with our, our beginning level, mm-hmm. which is sort of the most uh, illustrative of our, our approach, mm-hmm. uh, it's divided into two parts. I should add here, I'm talking about uh, students coming in, learning Chinese from absolute zero, mm-hmm. because we have two beginning groups yeah. in Chinese language at Cornell. We have the uh, heritage learners. Uh-huh. We have a large number of students with some Chinese heritage who were exposed to the language from an early age to varying degrees. Mm -hmm. Maybe they spoke Chinese at home. Uh, They may have gone to weekend school Mm. and uh, also learned to read and write. Uh, Some of them heard Chinese growing up. Maybe their parents spoke to them in Chinese, but they answered back in English. Mm -hmm. We have all sorts of (laughs) variations on the situation, so many different uh, students go into that heritage course, group. Yeah. Uh, but then we have the non-heritage students who have had no exposure, no previous exposure to Chinese, didn't yeah. have any uh, family experience with it. And that's the group I'm talking about. That's mm-hmm. the, uh, I'm basically in charge of the beginning level. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that we, we sometimes call them the true beginners yep. because they're really starting from zero. Yep. So in uh, our uh, 
curriculum for true beginners, we have a two-pronged approach. We mm-hmm. call it fact and act. Hmm. So uh, we have fact classes uh, in which we use English to introduce the grammar and the cultural context of the language. Mm-hmm. And then we have the act classes, which are where the students take uh, their, the linguistic knowledge that they're accumulating and use it to, in meaningful context to actually communicate. Mm-hmm. Nice, yeah. And uh, so uh, the, the act classes are the majority of the time students Great. spend in class. Yeah. Uh, so, for example, our regular beginning course is quite intensive. It's seven hours a week. Wow. Two of those hours are lecture, mm-hmm. and that's the fact portion of the course. Yeah. And the other five are act classes, mm-hmm. and they're entirely in Chinese. Oh, great. Basically from the first day. Wow. Our students have some time to prepare yeah. for that first class, and we talk about how to get ready for it. Mm-hmm. But it's all Chinese all the time. Mm-hmm. No English mm-hmm. or any other languages allowed. Uh-huh. Nice. How does that go for the students? Do I mean, I can imagine the first couple of times um, that might be confusing and information overload. Um, but they, how quickly do they get used to that immersive environment? They, I think they adapt fairly quickly. Uh-huh. Our students are really good <laughs> here yeah. at Cornell. We're very fortunate. Yeah. Uh, sometimes think we're spoiled. <laughs> uh, and it, it is a little uh, intimidating at first, but the teachers, especially in the first few classes, are very skilled at walking the students through the situation mm-hmm. and giving them all the support they mm-hmm. need to operate entirely in Chinese. Yeah. Of course, they're not, you know, they're doing just little things of to course. start with, greetings and goodbyes, yeah. and yeah. then they work up from there. But uh, it's amazing how much they can do yeah. entirely in the target language, entirely in the language that they're learning with no uh, recourse to English mm-hmm. at all. That's great. And it's, I think it's, they, they really develop a strong feeling of accomplishment from that. Oh, of course, yeah. Uh, it is, as I said, it, it's a little intimidating at first, but they they quickly get used to it. And um, our, our ACT classes are very small. Mm-hmm. It's a maximum of 12 students per class. Nice. You know, so it's often smaller than that. They get to know their classmates really well. Uh-huh. Uh, very often it becomes their favorite class at Cornell because oh, great. It's, it's, it is so much smaller. Mm-hmm. They get to know everybody mm-hmm. well. And although, you know, it's, it's, there, there's some pressure there. It's also a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. It's often funny as well. And there's <laughs> often a lot of laughter yeah. in the class. It's very active. Good. You have to be paying attention at all times. So nobody's ever, ever bored. Yeah. And so it's, you know, it's not easy necessarily, but it, yeah. it can still be fun. That's wonderful. Well, it's it's great that the students have a, a positive learning experience. Do you know, um, do some of the students then, once they're done with Chinese, do they maybe take another Asian language or do Very students... often. You may be thinking of one student in particular yeah. <laughs> who took both chi- beginning yes. Chinese and beginning Japanese at the same time. I do not recommend this, yeah. by the way, for most people. Now, he, he did very well, but... Uh, what I do, uh, very often students do take more than one Asian language mm-hmm. at Cornell. I mm-hmm. did it myself as an undergraduate. Okay. Uh, what I recommend is that they take at least a couple of years mm-hmm. in the first one before they Add start the on the one. second yeah. one. That way you're a little bit less likely to uh, have interference mm-hmm. from one language to the other. Yeah, sure. And in fact, the, the the student that I'm thinking of had been exposed to Chinese 
okay. previously okay. before college. Yeah. And I think that probably helped. Sure, sure. I, I would, uh, there is one other aspect of our mm-hmm. program that I, I should mention. Yeah. Uh, because there are these aspects of Chinese that just don't exist in a mm-hmm. lot of the languages our students are coming in with, we have to draw their attention to those aspects. Sure. And uh, that means that, you know, obviously uh, the that that's something that the fact class is very good about. Yeah. Because it's not something that, you know, we can talk to them explicitly about in Chinese yet. They wouldn't understand. Yeah. But also we we do a lot of explicit correction. Mm-hmm. So in uh, in our act classes, mm-hmm. uh, one of the teacher's main jobs is correction. Okay. And you know, you mentioned the you know how how the how the students you know, react to the act class. Yeah. And that can be a little intimidating at mm, first. Sure. Our teachers are very good. They're very diplomatic. Yeah. about uh, correction, mm-hmm. but you do have to be clear as well. Yeah. Uh, when you're dealing with a tonal language for the first time, oh, of course, a lot yeah. of that linguistic information is going to go under your radar. Mm-hmm. Uh, as an English speaker, you deal with uh, sentence level mm-hmm. intonation, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but in Chinese, every single word has yeah. its own tone. And so that the tones in Chinese are lexical information, not just sure you know, in, emotional information, for yeah. example. So uh, students uh, have to have their attention drawn to that constantly, and they Certainly. have to have that you know, at the at the forefront of their minds whenever they're speaking, yeah. especially at the beginning level. Mm-hmm, Eventually, mm-hmm. it will become second nature. Yeah, but at the start, you really need a lot of explicit correction. Mm-hmm. You, know, you will make tonal mistakes. It's part of the process. Well, we all sure. went through in, it. Yep. In any language, you oh, make yes. mistakes, absolutely. That, oh, yes. <laughs> and and we believe in explicit correction. Mm-hmm. It has to be done diplomatically. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, no, you're wrong, but... <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, you, the, you know, the teacher will say whatever the student's trying to say the right way, and the student mm-hmm. then can, uh, can repeat that and get a feel for how it sounds the right way. Yeah. Uh, as time goes on, we can give students just little prompts and very often they can correct themselves. Uh-huh. And, and nice. that's the ideal. Yeah. But very often you do simply have to say, okay, no, this is the right way that, to say it. And then, you know, have them repeat that. Yeah. And that takes a lot of students a little getting used to because mm-hmm. in previous language la- classes that they've had, maybe they weren't corrected at all. Mm-hmm. Some, mm-hmm. some language teachers feel that it's bad to correct sure. students we feel that, you know, we wouldn't be uh, responsible if we didn't mm-hmm, correct mm-hmm, our students. Mm-hmm. And part of it may be, you know, the, the, just that truly foreign nature of Chinese mm-hmm. vis-a-vis yep. our English yep. language speaking yep. students. But we find that explicit correction is uh, it works, the so most uh, efficient way yeah. to go mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so this two-prong approach with fact and act, does that... Is that limited to just the first year of instruction? Yes, yes. in okay. Chinese it, it is, uh, because we get through uh, basic grammar in Chinese in that first year. Okay. Chinese grammar is fairly simple relative to other languages. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean it's easy, <laughs> but it, it doesn't include a lot of the things that we associate with grammars in uh, Western languages, for yeah. example, but even in a lot of Asian languages. 
no conjugation, no declension. Uh, not, uh-huh. yeah, we don't uh, even uh, have uh, general plurals and for nouns in Chinese, yeah. you know, no gender, none of those things. Uh, so, uh, you know, the, there, there are Chinese uh, people will even sometimes say that Chinese doesn't have grammar mm. because huh. as learners of, of foreign languages to them, you know, European languages, yeah. they associate grammar with all of those things, conjugation, sure. de- yeah. declension, uh-huh. gender, and Chinese doesn't have them. Yeah. Uh, but of course, Chinese does have structure yeah. that you have to learn. And that structure sometimes is similar to English and sometimes is very different. Mm. And where it's different, our students are required to start thinking in a whole different way. Yeah. And, you know, that has to be uh, explicitly taught. But they're done with that because they're, you know, the, the basic grammar is fairly simple. They're done with that after the first year. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's a first year of seven hours of class a week. <laughs> uh, so by the second year, it's all Chinese all the time in class. Okay. And at that point, the teacher can begin to explain any structural issues uh-huh. in Chinese. That's great. And usually uh, they do that by uh, you know, generous uh, provision of examples. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, outside of class, the student also has uh, recourse to uh, grammar explanations in English in, in a textbook. Sure. Yep. But they can, at that point, keep the English out of the classroom mm-hmm. for the most part. So it's conversation entirely mm-hmm. in Chinese from second year on up. That's wonderful. Great. Well, yeah, I, I think I personally think that's that's the way to to learn language as much immersion as possible. Yeah, I um, one thing I, I would say is in order to to create that Chinese only classroom, mm-hmm. there is a lot of work behind the scenes oh, that certainly. the students have to do. Yeah. And um, I was, you know, when I was thinking about what I was going to say for uh-huh. this podcast, uh, one of the things that came up in my mind was the sort of uh, the evolution of language pedagogy as it's envisioned by mm-hmm. you know, uh, American teachers of English and of, of foreign languages this idea that you know we sort of originally started uh, and had for many centuries this sort of grammar translation mm-hmm. approach yep. followed by you know mid 20th century audiolingual mm-hmm. method and then you know now we have communicative mm-hmm. language teaching which is you know far superior to that mm-hmm. you know in this in this vision but i think all three of those approaches come into play mm-hmm. you know you can't simply uh, reject the the drills of the audiolingual method mm-hmm. or the you know the structural focus in grammar translation mm-hmm. when you're getting students to communicate. So, uh, in their preparation for class, our yeah. students are you know they're they're looking at structure in the fact class. Mm-hmm. They're doing drills using our uh, interactive audio materials mm-hmm. to get ready for. Class. Yeah, the interaction in the classroom. And then yeah. in the classroom, yeah. they're actually using that information yeah. to communicate mm-hmm. meaningfully. Mm-hmm. So I think, it, it, you know, all of those approaches, you're not re- really rejecting uh, yeah, the out, past yeah. mm-hmm. completely for, yep. the, for, you know, the, this method that we're using now. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's really cumulative. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. We're using all three of those approaches. Yep. 
That's very interesting. Well, I'm I'm glad to hear that this is a successful um, approach for the Chinese program here. Sounds like a very engaging classroom. Um, mm, I actually try to make it that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually need to stop by sometime and and take a look at. at I mean, I won't understand a thing. <laughs> That's okay. You can actually, you know, you'll you'll get a sense of what what the conversation is about. Yeah, yeah. And even if you don't know exactly what all the words mean. Yeah. And yeah, that would be great. You'd be welcome to come thank sit you, in on thank a, you. On a class. Thank you. Wonderful. Well, this was um, a great introduction to the Chinese program here at Cornell. Thank you so much, Stephanie, for joining me today. Thank you very much. Um, and speaking of immersive environments, next week Darren Borders will join us on our podcast. Darren is the residence hall director of Cornell's Language House, and we will talk about how students immerse themselves in a language as part of this residential program. Until then, auf Wiederhören! The Language Resource Center is located on the ground floor of Stimson Hall on Cornell's main campus in Ithaca, New York. Check us out on the web at lrc.cornell.edu or look for Cornell LRC on Facebook and Twitter. Speaking of Language is produced by Sam Lupwitz and Dan Gable. Recorded by Sam Lupwitz. Original music by Sam Lupwitz, Dan Gable, and Joe Gibson. Thanks also to the College of Arts and Sciences at Cornell University. As a reminder, the ideas and opinions expressed on this podcast do not reflect those of the College of Arts and Sciences or any other official entity of Cornell University. We thank our listeners and do stay tuned for our next episode.